Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. John Smith is on the line, and I don't care what's on the line, Howard. You have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back, rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival to go back to the game after that news flash, which in duty found we have to take. Frank? All right, that uh, is from 40 years ago uh, today on Monday Night Football, and if that doesn't uh, kind of put things in perspective uh, about sports being uh, the fun stuff, the, even uh, on a, a game-winning field goal uh, attempt, it's uh, at the end of the day just a game, though it sometimes doesn't uh, feel that way uh we welcome back to the show reed wilkins from inside sports reed how you doing good bob i I obviously did not listen or watch that broadcast live being that we didn't get monday night football in in evansburg because we didn't have enough channels but that's certainly a famous moment in sports broadcasting history in terms of bringing a news story and i guess uh, another thing that would i know that's the anniversary of, of lennon's murder but I, from uh, also in terms of a sports person having to break a news story or be at the center of a news story, I think you look back on the World Series too between San Francisco and Oakland, and I believe Al Michaels actually won a news Emmy for covering the uh, the earthquake that that shut down Game Three of the World Series between Oakland and, and San Francisco. I can remember where I was. I was at the ITV studios working on Sports Night with Darren Detition in 1989 when that happened. 
with uh, with Ann Stark, was the producer of the show. Reed Wilkins joining us from Inside Sports. He's our Oilers now headliner for touchback safety from fall. You finally made it to headliner. So why see that? I, I Brendan, you're an awesome young guy. You're an incredible worker. Uh, you're in the middle of a great career already. But when I was producing Oilers now, I would have not allowed someone of my stature to be the headliner. It's so you got to make sure Bob that. gets that in there earlier. From fall protection to forklift training, trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. Self-deprecation will get you everywhere, my friend. It's the guys that take themselves too seriously at times that make me sort of question things a bit. Uh, lots to get to. Yes, indeed. That was, uh, you know, a memorable sort of uh, goes without saying. And Howard, just on Howard Cosell, um, you know, I know I've had this conversation a lot with Jack over the years. Jack, uh, Howard was a, a big personality. Some would say at times he tried to be bigger than the uh, uh, the players themselves. Uh, you know, I think it's a privilege to talk about uh, something like the Edmonton Oilers or talk about sport on a, a continuous basis. Do we have a sports media personality like Howard Cosell today? Is there... I mean, some might say it might be Stephen A. Smith from ES. He might be the one guy that, uh, I don't know, I, I could be wrong, but uh, is it, I don't know if there's anybody quite like, you know, I mean, of course, a lot of it got started with his uh, infamous post-fight interviews with Muhammad Ali and that sort of thing, and then the work on Monday Night Football when they had, I mean, it's, it's kind of, Reed, it's kind of like comparing Wes Montgomery's numbers to today's radio numbers when there's like, I don't know, 18 stations in Edmonton's market. Like there was a time that Wes Montgomery had a 50 share when he was on 630 Chet in the 1960s. You know what I mean? Like half the available listenership uh, in Edmonton was listening to Wes's show. And and it, it was a very different world back then. But now that I've given you some time to think about it, is there anybody that had as big a personality as, uh, well, actually... I, someone has sent me a guy that has made a lot of noise in the last couple of weeks, but it's not an on-air guy with a major U.S. network, but it is a guy that has a massive following. Joe Rogan. Yeah, I mean, Rogan's done extremely well. I, I don't know. It's, you know. Here's the thing for me, Bob. I, I, I have really no memory of being an audience member for Howard Cosell because of what really? I told you. I, I, I didn't really get his broadcasts where I was living and then he was, you know, out of the game. So everything I, I know about him is reading stuff and hearing the clips on YouTube and hearing all the stories. But I do agree with you that in in this day and age with so many more ways for an audience to get their information and their analysis, it's hard to become as, as dominant as, as Howard Cosell. And I think with somebody like Stephen A. Smith, I find him, quite frankly, Bob, really hard to stomach because to me, he is just being angry for the sake of trying to grab attention. I mean, when the uh, when the 49ers lost the, the Super Bowl last year and he goes on this tantrumy rant the day after about their play calling. And it's like, buddy, you're Stephen A. Smith. Like, why are you personally that offended about the plays Kyle Shanahan called? You know, like, I know there's a place for that, and there's times, you know, you and I might get emotional about topics, but I, Stephen A. Smith comes across as quite, quite frankly, quite phony to me. Um, so I realize he's he has his following, but, but I'm not one of them. I, I just think it's, I, I mean, you might have put 
I mean, you might have kind of put Don Cherry in Cosell's category just, for, for, was, for a long time. Yeah, obviously very different politics. I mean, Howard was, uh, you know, <laughs> leaned a little bit more to the left than, than Don did on some issues. But, uh you know, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Don Sherry was a bigger-than-life Canadian sports media personality for the better part of 25 years. I can't but I think, that, I think that Don Cherry, for people around our age, Bob, like we can remember him in the 80s and probably into the early 90s where Coach's Corner was appointment viewing, where it might have better ratings in the game a lot of nights. I think it just, and again, this is not any scientific survey, but just from the people I know and who maybe are a little younger, maybe in their 20s, they didn't see Don in that form. And maybe they would watch him and feel like, well, okay, he's he's one voice out of 20 or 30 or 50, yes. as opposed to one voice. Like that was it, Saturday night, it was Don. I hate every where wherever I went in the league, uh, you know, starting when I did the games in 2008, even dating back to when I, you know, was sort of on the periphery, uh, doing like intermissions. That first intermission on Saturday nights, every executive that was in the building at uh, Rexall Place or Skyreach Center, or whatever, going back uh, to the early. 2000s, late 1990s, everything stopped to watch uh, Don Cherry. Reed, I'm going to bang a couple quick tests. Bob, remember, Howard Cosell was also the commentator for the Battle of the Network Stars. I always used to watch that for Heather Thomas and Heather Lockler, says a texter. There's there's a photo of, uh, someone has kindly sent me a photo of Howard Cosell next to O.J. Simpson and Pete Rose. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's uh, Bob. You know uh, your history so well. I bet you know exactly what you were watching that day in 1980, or what you were wearing that day in 1989, and what day uh, and what direction you were uh, uh, facing when you first heard the John Lennon news. Well, John Lennon, and I was watching out on the acreage out in Sherwood Park. Uh, again, the the earthquake in 89 i was right in the uh, itv building read that's to uh it, it is an interesting conversation and a great point by a couple people have mentioned joe rogan no question about that i want to get on a bunch of other topics lou marsh award uh what are your thoughts on the splitting of the voting uh between uh, tardif the football player to kansas city who's not playing football this year's opted out did win a super bowl and alfonso davies there's no way Duvernay Tardif should have been eligible for this award. There, there's absolutely no way he should have won. And I have one of the voters on my show tonight, Sean Fitzgerald, so we'll see what he thinks, which way he went. And this is no disrespect to Duvernay Tardif, who made an incredible sacrifice and is doing something incredibly important this year instead of playing football. And that is deserving of discussion and maybe of some type of an honor. But the Lou Mars Trophy goes to Canada's Athlete of the Year. I don't know how somebody who hasn't been an athlete for most of the year can even be considered for the award. Sports Illustrated is different. Sports Illustrated, Sports Illustrated calls it the sports person of yes. the year, yes. which means it could go to a coach. It could go to a GM. It could go to somebody for a, a lifetime achievement. I was just looking back at the list. Derek Jeter won the award in 2009 when he wouldn't have been the best player in baseball he wouldn't have been the best athlete in in the world but he won his fifth world series and and i think when you call it the sports person of the year you can open the the gates for criteria a little more and that's why duvernay tardif 
was one of five winners this year back in 1987. Bob Bourne from uh, the LA Kings at the time was one of eight athletes to win it and sports illustrated called it athletes who care and that's who they are they 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 honor this year but i don't know how you can justify having an award for the athlete of the year and giving it to somebody who has not been an athlete for most of the year and not only that he is not the best player on his team and he is not the best player at his his position in the league that he plays in so humanitarian of the year sports person of the year sure maybe sports story of the year yeah maybe but flat out athlete of the year no way and i i hate to say that because i'm not disrespecting him or what he's done but i i just don't understand how him not playing makes him the athlete of the year i I mean because it says everything about 2020 and it says everything about virtue signaling that's that's what it says right is is we now circumvent our own descriptions of what an award's supposed to be because we have and it is a wonderful story and it's incredible and i mean i've read i've seen a couple of stories the chiefs have put out before it brings you to tears you think he's an incredible person that goes without saying he is an incredible person but i'm with you man he hasn't played this is like someone has texted in and say bob you can't win athlete of the year and not be an athlete that year that would be like being the doctor giving the doctor of the year to somebody who took the year off to play baseball or chef of the year and to somebody who was a bartender that year and so i I, read i see it the same way you do but i think it's partially a, a reflection on, on virtue signaling that takes place in our society read i think that's part and he's a great it's a it's an unbelievable story athlete of the year that's a tough call man yeah, I I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to tie it into any larger thing in society, Bob, but I, I, I also think it was a year where in which the, I, I mean, there were probably weren't as many candidates as some other years because things got broken up. Some sports didn't get played. Uh, I mean, didn't Andrescu win it last year and she yes. didn't basically didn't play this year. So I think that was an impact too. I, I just think there's, they, there could have been a way to honor See, I, I think that they, they wanted to honor him and they didn't want to... Well, maybe they didn't. I shouldn't speak for them. Like I said, I got a voter on tonight. Yeah, good, but there, there might have been a way to give him something or create or, or say, you know what? We're going to create the uh, the Rick Hansen Award and give it to the Sports Humanitarian of the Year. And now we're going to vote on that every year when we do the Lou Marsh. I don't know. Yeah, and again, I'm not going to get that wound up on it. I, I, two remarkable stories. Alfonso Davies, I mean, it's... It's going to be great to watch how far this guy goes during the course of his career. Read very quickly. Uh, just you're, you're, you know, are you getting geared up? Do you think we're going to be playing here by late January? Absolutely, I do. And I've I've always thought that there was going to be a season. Um, I mean, I certainly didn't think it was going to be before January first. And then once once we didn't get anything done by American Thanksgiving, then I think we knew it wasn't going to be January first. I, I I just. I just want to get back to the having the actual games to talk about Bob and the ebb and flow of the season and all the storylines that come up. I heard you inspect talking and I think Tyson Berry is going to be fine. I think the Oilers uh, will be better five on five. I don't think they're going to have to spend as, as much time defending. I think that uh, Barry's probably a better player than what he showed for most of the, well, for some of the season in Toronto. And if you look at his year last year, he was much better after the coaching change. So maybe if you lump his whole year as a whole, 
the, the numbers might look a little subpar, but after the, the coaching change, he was actually pretty good. So that's what I look forward to is getting back to the, to the game days, to the stories and the potential of a Canadian division where if it's 56 games, that means Edmonton's going to have to play two opponents 10 times each and all the other teams nine times each, assuming they don't m- maybe do a half schedule and then release uh, the other schedule like the NBA is doing. And then maybe that opens things up a little bit, but I, I think, I think they're going to play. Uh, I mean, I, I understand the, the player's position in this, but I understand the owner saying too, well, if it's 50%, you got to take 50% of, of less, but, yeah, it's it's nice to hear them talking about more a more exact date, though I know it could still change as opposed to just kind of guessing at these moving targets all the time. Reed, final question for Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports. Well, second last question because I'm going to get you to uh, mention what you got coming up uh, on tonight's show. It's 149 at Edmonton. Which movie do you like more, No Country for Old Men or Usual Suspects? Usual Suspects, and it's not close. I, I'm actually not a huge fan of No Country for Old Men. I would rank it. What? probably near the bottom of Coen Brothers movies. Uh, I mean, I think you got Raising Arizona, you got Miller's Crossing, you got a whole bunch of, of better films. I just never really felt that pulled into or that tense watching No Country for Old Men. I thought it was sort of a bunch of hanging threads that never really got tied together at the end. Usual Suspects uh, is a great it's movie. It's, it's 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 not as... I, I've probably watched Usual Suspects three or four times, in in my in my life it's it's not i mean it doesn't grab you as much on second viewings because you know what's going to happen um but just the way it was put together the acting the the twist uh some of the visuals uh, i just thought that was that's a really good movie so it, it's not even close in that one bob it's usual suspects all yeah, I, I love both flicks by the way and reed i i have a, a new uh, documentary out for everybody to to check out that's available on netflix it's called room 2806 the accusation it has to do with uh, french politician dominique strauss-kahn who was at the head of the International Monetary Fund, IMF, and it is a very intriguing watch. Uh, he was a social Democrat. Very interesting uh, story, to say the least. You might want to check it out. What do you got coming up tonight on Inside Sports? Well, I mentioned uh, Sean Fitzgerald, who was one of the Lou Marsh voters, Chris Johnson from Sportsnet, Pat Steinberg from Down the Highway. Great stuff, Reid. Thanks for your time. See ya. 150 in Edmonton. We're going to take a quick timeout. Uh, but just before we did, Brendan, did we do the winner, by the way, in our Greta Bar trivia? Which Oilers, uh, I'm getting forgetful here, which Oilers player uh, scored two shorthanded goals against the Flyers during the 0506 season on December the 8th? Did we end up getting a winner for that? Did we mention that? We did. I don't think we mentioned it yet. The answer to the question is Ethan Morrow, and the winner today was Trent G on a white court. Oh, I know Trent. Yeah, he uh, does a does an event up there in uh, White Court. So good guy. Uh, thanks for listening, Trent. We'll take a quick time out. Come back with uh, this day in Oilers history. Hi, this is Oscar Clefbaum from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on six thirty. Chat. Oscar. Unlikely, I would suggest at this stage to be playing this upcoming season. Do you want to tell you, upcoming on 6.30 Chad, 6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye, 4 o'clock today, Premier of the Province, Jason Kenney, along with uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, Tyler Shandro, the Minister of Health, and uh, I think logic dictates that uh, there may be some more measures coming down the pipe at 4 o'clock today. You can hear it on 6.30 Chad, and prior to that, 
According to some infectious disease specialists, Alberta uh, hasn't seen any hint that the current COVID measures are working and every day that passes under the current situation means more viral transmission. Dr. Uh, Laureen Hardcastle of the University of Calgary will join Jay Lynn with her suggestions as to how the provincial government should proceed after the 2 o'clock news coming up today. So we've mentioned a bunch, and I mean a bunch, of this day in order histories. Uh, 89-90, last year the Oilers won the Cup. They beat the LA Kings 5-4, Mark Lyman overtime. Oilers 9-1 and in their uh, last 10 games after that victory. In 05-06, Oilers won in Philly by a score 3-2. Ethan Morrow with a couple shorthanded goals and a club record. Uh, no other player has scored three shorthanded goals in one game. Wayne Gretzky, by the way, four separate times in his NHL career had two shorthanded goals. Uh, in Edmonton, his NHL career at Edmonton had four shorthanded goals. And Brendan Escott has dug up another this day in Oilers history for us as well. Uh, yeah, the 80s typically provide us with plenty of content. So on this day in 85, Yari Curry opens up the scoring with his 250th career NHL goal. The Oilers go on to beat the visiting Chicago Blackhawks 4-3 at North. Lands. Marty McSorley had a rare two-goal night, and Andy Moog secured the win in goal. I brought the team's record to 24-4. and four. Coming up uh, tomorrow, Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, David Staples from the Cult of Hockey, NHL insider John Shannon for our friends at Legacy Heating and Cooling. Again, Reed has inside sports tonight. Jay Lynn uh, with the update at 4 o'clock coming from the province on 6.30 Ched Afternoons and uh, momentarily Randy Kilburn with a global news weather traffic update. We opened up uh, with Beatles in terms of uh, referencing the passing of John Lennon on this day in 1980. In 1984, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, The Power of Love, the number one song in the UK. We'll leave you with that. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.